0: Happy New Year, Valley family. We are in week number two uh, of a series that Pastor Stephen began uh, last week, did a fantastic job with that, talking about uh, the message was entitled Today, and I want to follow up week number two of our series, New Year, New You, and uh, today's message, I just want to call it Sincerely Tomorrow. Uh, he talked about today today. Today, this message is going to be about Sincerely Tomorrow. It really comes from a a Luke Combs song. I don't know how many of you are country music fans out there. I see that hand. I see that hand. Uh, And and, uh, he's one of my current, just real favorites. Of course, I'm from Georgia, so country music comes easy and very naturally for me. Um, And uh, he he wrote a, a song, came out last year, called Dear Today. And it's, it's like a letter from tomorrow, Sincerely Tomorrow, saying about, you know, you should really consider what you're doing today. And, and, uh, and I thought, you know, this would be perfect. Yeah, I think if we can look ahead at, at even tomorrow or the next week or, or February of this year or fall of 2021, I, I think that there would be some things we would say to ourselves in January of 2021 that would probably help us out a lot and, and there's so much I think that we can prepare for you know it's the time of the year where you know people are making new year's resolutions I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm gonna lose you know 190 pounds in the next two weeks or uh, I'm gonna run a marathon even though I can't get off the couch for 20 minutes uh, it, you know all these like huge Epic goals that generally by March come like St. Patrick's Day. Nobody remembers what they even were. And and I think that uh, God has better for you and God has better for me in 2021 than than anything in the past. I'm convinced of that. And and so I think we need to really kind of think about, plan and prepare uh, for what's in store for us. Our mantra when I was coaching high school football with uh, Brian Wallace for for eight years, the mantra was plan, prepare, expect to win. And even recently, I was talking to our staff about how important it is to plan and prepare. There's some things life. there's going to be curveballs. None of us saw this this, uh, pandemic, you know, this time last year. But it is amazing, though, how you can plan and prepare. And then if crisis comes, it's not as difficult because we never plan and prepare for the perfect utopia, we realize this world's got some, this is a tough world, and it's a dangerous world, and it's a very imperfect world, and it's full of, of sin, and it's full of all kinds of that, and we can prepare ourselves so that we're not as surprised. There's still going to be some surprises, but uh, we're not as surprised, and we can be the best to face some of these difficulties that God knows are ahead for us, because we plan and we prepare right now. And and so I want to start off by, as we're talking about, like, sincerely tomorrow, kind of if we could speak from future Greg to today, uh, just a perspective that I think would be really important for me to have, and future you as well. One of the things that's so important, I think, that where a lot of people miss this when it comes to goals and uh, New Year's resolutions and all is this, most people overestimate what they can accomplish in the short term, but they underestimate what they can accomplish in the long term. In other words, just like this this these, like I said, epic goals and resolutions, which it's gonna be difficult to keep those for a month, instead of let's make them a little smaller, but let's keep them so that we can make them smaller so that we can keep them for the whole entire year. And that way you'll be a lot different. I'll be a lot different. We'll be the best that we can be. We'll be all that God wants us to be and we'll be able to receive all that God wants to do in our lives and through our lives Uh, just an example of this just just personally so back in September uh, my daughter Michaela got engaged to Josh Silva we're so excited about that wedding coming up in May uh, down in Virginia and uh, two days after that um, I, I just felt two things happen almost simultaneously the first was um, I just felt God put it on my heart to begin to pray for our nation, not only pray for our nation, but fast for our nation. So, so I started fasting seven weeks before the election um, and changed, you know, just my whole meal plan, how I was eating, what I was eating, how often I was eating. And that was not for physical reasons, that was totally for spiritual reasons uh, that, that I changed that, and, and that was September 16th and then just a few days after that I started thinking about the whole father of the bride thing and I decided I'm gonna start I want to lose a few pounds so so I started exercising getting on the treadmill doing like a mile and a half something like that and my goal was I just wanted I want to take off five pounds and uh, in the next two weeks and I wasn't really thinking about the physical uh, aspect of the fasting that I was doing for spiritual purposes it was not for physical at all it was for spiritual purposes Jesus said to his disciples not if you fasted when you fast it should be a regular part of every Christian's life fasting for spiritual reasons uh, for spiritual health and uh, so those two things just kind of hit and and I took five pounds off really quick And I found I had a lot more stamina as a result of that, so I just moved the line. I want to take five more off, five more. Well, now uh, I'm coming up on my goal. I I have a goal. I've had a number of smaller goals that have helped to keep me consistent because I didn't start off, I want to lose some ridiculous amount of money. I just wanted to be the best I could be as the father of the bride for for that big occasion. And spiritually, I just felt God calling me into a time of, of fasting. Well, uh, I'm real close, probably next week sometime, uh, 30 pounds lost. I didn't set that as a goal. Uh, I set small, little goals. And that's been kind of the byproduct. And I've learned that, again, coaching, instead of something crazy, you know, bite-sized pieces, smaller goals help you accomplish and achieve great success. And uh, so, I'm right now running uh, a 5K three times a week, on my treadmill and, uh, and continue to do some fasting as well uh, for spiritual purposes and also seeing a physical benefit of that as well. And, and so a lot of times I think we make that big mistake where we overestimate what we can accomplish in the short term and we underestimate what we can accomplish in the long term. And, and so just kind of plugging away at it, early December, I was doing some figuring. I was like, you know what? What a cool goal it would be since I started mid-September to, to set the goal of running 100 miles. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to run 100 miles. And then I started adding up on my phone, my app that keeps track of that, and I'd already gone over 100 miles in early December. And so I've set a goal for myself for 2021 to run 500 miles. 500 miles, that's like from here to Lynchburg, Virginia, where our girls are, uh, total, and uh, I, I really feel like I can do it because it's just gonna, what it means, I just have to consistently do what I've been doing for the last four months. And so long-term is where the real impact comes. I see this so many times in ministry. Pastors want to make an impact in a community, but the average tenure of a senior pastor in America is seven years in one place. You can't make an impact in a community in seven years. Staff pastors are even shorter than that, like three years. Youth pastors, 18 months in a church. That's the, the, long, that's the average amount of time that, that those staff pastors stay in a church. And as Susie and I have just rounded the corner of 30 years of pastoring here, you know what? We want to make a deep impact in this community. We feel like the best is yet to come. You ain't seen nothing yet, Valley family. And, and, and we, we see long, we're, we're in this for a marathon. That's what this is. Because long term, we underestimate so many times what we can accomplish in the long term, and we think we'll just you know, burn out and burn up in the short term and get it done. And it really doesn't work like that. So what I want to do is I want to look at a passage of Scripture that talks about like the mindset that you and I are supposed to have to be the best that God wants us to be, to be and fulfill everything God has for you and me. And then I want to unpack it in four real practical points. So this is in your notes on Valley Christian Church website, valleyny.cc, Romans chapter 13. And I want to read it from the message translation because it's real earthy, it's a paraphrase. I love how it puts it. It says, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of time and you doze off. I'm not asking for a show of hands. How many of you coming out of the holidays are exhausted because you're taking care of all your day-to-day obligations and you're, you're dozing off, oblivious to God? Real easy to forget God in the middle of the madness of the schedule. It says, don't do that. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. God's about to break through. And it goes on and says, be up and awake to what God's doing. I think God wants to do things in 2021 personally in my life, personally in your life, corporately in the life of our church. We can't even imagine the magnitude and in our community. And and for many of us, we keep hitting the snooze button. And, And Romans 13 here is saying, wake up. God's about to wake up, be aware of what he's doing. Man goes on to say, God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work that he began when we first believed. Man, I had the tech guys highlight that for me. I'd love to just sit down here and preach the rest of the sermon uh, about that sentence right there. I I won't, but I'll just share a little bit. You, You know, the... The finished work of salvation, that began, there's three parts of salvation. It begins with justification. That's when we receive Christ as our Savior, uh, recognizing He lived a sinless life and uh, died a sacrificial death on the cross for you and for me. As a substitute, He paid the price for my personal sins and yours as well. And then he rose again three days later. And when we receive that sacrifice of Jesus, we're justified. It's called justification. We're saved from the penalty of sin. Ultimately in heaven, we're actually saved from the personal presence of sin. There will be no more sin. That's called glorification. There'll be no heartache. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more death. That's the glorification. So it starts with justification. In heaven is glorification. But right now, this salvation that God is working on in your life and my life, that's the word sanctification. And what that means is we're being saved from the power of sin day by day as you and I yield ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God wants me to be different tomorrow than I am today. And I think that tomorrow, if they were writing a letter to Greg today, would say, you know, yield to the Holy Spirit. There's things God wants to do in your life today, Greg. Sincerely, tomorrow. Lean into God and allow Him to do and change all that He wants to and transform your life. Sincerely, tomorrow. And so that's what God, that's this great salvation that God is working out. Our justification in a, that moment we receive Christ. Our glorification in heaven. And right now, every day, our sanctification on an ongoing basis we're being saved from the power of sin overcoming sin when we day by day yield ourselves to the work of the holy spirit and then it goes on and says we can't afford to waste a minute you hear the urgency in this don't waste a minute must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and it goes on and says And indulge in sleeping around and dissipation in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter or linger waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourself in Christ. Be up and about. Dress yourself in Christ. Get up and get busy following after Jesus. No excuses. Don't don't let this sin entangle you. Put that behind. Uh, Lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, when you think about it, how much could you accomplish in a long term in the next five years? It's just some stuff off the top of my head. I was thinking about what could you accomplish in five years? Do you know right now? Maybe you're like me. You only speak English. I only speak language. Only language that I speak is English. You could be proficient. You could be bilingual in five years. Five years a language you have never even spoken, you could be bilingual and communicate incredibly well in just five years' time if you just gave yourself to it. Uh, you, You may be a high school, right now a high school senior, you may be a graduate in five years with a bachelor's degree in just five years' time. Five years' time. You could become an expert in some area of knowledge or skill that you have no knowledge of right now or no experience in right now in five years time see so many times we overestimate what we can accomplish in the short term and we underestimate what we can accomplish in the long term through daily consistency, just getting up and doing the right thing today. That's what it's talking about. Dress yourself in Christ. Leave this stuff behind. Indulgence, sleeping around, dissipation, bickering, grabbing, everything inside. Get out of bed, get dressed, don't loiter or linger, wait until the last, last minute, dress yourself in Christ. Whatever you choose to add to your life or subtract to your life will make a big, big impact. Whatever you choose today, over the next few months and years. Five years even, when you think about it that way. The reality is, you and I have our ways of doing stuff. We, sometimes we talk about the valley way. There's kind of a way of which we approach ministry and, and, and uh, values that we have, the valley way. Bible talks an awful lot about a way that seems right to man. But then there's God's way. And what Romans is saying here is leave man's way behind and dress yourself in Christ. Follow God's way. The ways that you, uh, let me put it this way, the the ways that you let in become the ways that you're set in. You ever heard that? We, We say that all the time. Oh, he's just set in his ways. The ways that you let in become the ways that you're set in. How are you setting up the future? by the way that you're acting today, by the behavior, by the words, by the actions, by the priorities. The ways you let in become the ways that you're set in. The ways that you're establishing right now, real practical messages as we're going to be in the rest of this month of January talking about New Year, New You. The ways that you are beginning to accept in your life right now, you're going to be set in for good or for bad. Over the next few years and probably the rest of your life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, all Greg's ways, submit to God. Choose his way. In every way that I think is right, choose God's way instead. And if, and if every way that Greg thinks, Greg's way of doing stuff, Greg's way of, of prioritizing, Greg's things that he thinks about, you know, you know, all those things, his behavior, and all my ways, if I'll submit to his way, he will make my path straight. When I say, not my way, your way, God, that's how you and I can become the person that God created each of us to be, and even a church family that we can even be better right now and in the future because it's not about my way it's about his way in all my ways submit to god and he'll make our path straight you know sometimes you hear people say "Uh, uh-huh just going through the motions uh and it's like that's a real negative thing uh The the reality is going through the motions is only bad if you have the wrong motions, if it's your way. There's nothing wrong with going through the motions of, God, I submit to your way. And whether my heart is in it or not, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to follow your way. And when you follow his way, he makes your path straight. But there's no promise that he's going to bail us out when we go our way. That's not what the Bible teaches And so all of us have our way and we need to change our way to honoring His way in our lives and He'll make our path straight. And so let me just give you real four practical points here from Romans chapter 13 as we're kind of building each week and I encourage you, how about make this one of, and it's His way by the way, not missing a Valley Christian Church service all year long. How about that? Online campus, there's no reason to ever miss a week. So many times our messages build on one another. My message building on Pastor Stevens last week, he talked about today, this is sincerely tomorrow, and then next week and next week. How about if you, if you made your way God's way, how different would you be at the end of this year if you didn't miss one Sunday message from Valley Christian Church? Not one. So four things to remember here from Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14, just unpacking about today. That I think tomorrow, if they were writing a letter, Greg tomorrow was writing a letter back to Greg today, would want me to remember and you to remember as well. Here's the first one. Time is not on your side. Time is not on your side. It's interesting in Romans 13 here, where it talks about time and waking up and all. The, the Greek word for time uh, is chronos. There's two different words, and, and that's kind of like a, a time, like a watch, uh, and, and that's literally measurements of time. But but the other word in Greek that's actually used here in Romans 13 is the idea of kairos. And what that means, it's a specific time, it's a pivotal and a strategic time. And that time is what is used, Paul uses here in Romans uh, chapter 13, chronos. In other words, there is something that God wants to do in your life today, right now, right now. And if you wait till tomorrow, you missed it. Because this is the kairos moment. This is the strategic moment. God has something he wants to accomplish, a work as he wants to transform you and transform me more into the image of Jesus Christ right now, kairos moment. It's like wake up, don't hit the snooze button again. Wake up. Because time is not on our side. And there's the Bible, so much of this, uh, all throughout the Bible. Psalm 39, verse 5, the Bible says, You have made my days a mere handbreadth; The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but breath, even those who seem secure. Our life on this planet is just a breath. It's a mist. Here today, you know, gone tomorrow. In Psalm 90, verse 10 and, and 12, again, the same idea that we find in scripture. It it says, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. I I mean, you live 80 years, that's a good long life still considered today. This was written thousands of years ago. Not much has changed. Our our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them uh, are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, I, I mentioned this in our Christmas services. Uh, found out a, a good friend of mine, uh, one best friend from high school, one of my best friends, uh, passed away on December the 23rd. And, uh, I mean, that really hit me. Because here I am, I'm working out, losing weight, getting into, like, probably the best shape I've been in in 20 years. And he died. 52 years old. And at his funeral that I was honored to be able to make, make it to and be invited to, so small a group of people, just 20 people were, were allowed to be there, the pastor mentioned this verse. And, and it really struck me when he said, teach us to number our days. Because you know, it's like, what's being said here is like, it's like countdown to Christmas. <laughs> you know, two weeks till Christmas, woo! I know my daughter uh, and her fiance Josh; they're counting down the days to their wedding. You know, maybe you're counting down the days to summer vacation, or or uh, uh, Susie and I have a rescheduled trip coming up in February that was canceled in last summer for our 30th anniversary. We're counting down the days, and I've got another goal that I want to hit before we 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 head uh, head out in February. Counting down the days. That's what the psalmist, David's saying here, God, teach us to, to number our days because they're not infinite. A, at best, maybe 80. Extraordinary if past passed there. That, that, that nothing's really guaranteed. That, that our lives are vapor. That we're not indestructible. That, that the way things are today is not the way things will be tomorrow. Teach us to number our days, and here's the reason why, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's a fool who thinks what is today will always be. That's that's a worldly mindset. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to cherish. Teach us to maximize. Teach us not to waste the precious little time that you've given to us in this life on earth. Aristotle put it this way, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, he said, "We should measure time by our heartthrobs. <laughs> we, we should measure time by like, are we really living? What, what's really like boom, 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 like that adrenaline, the passion? What, what, what is it really? Or are we just wasting days, just looking forward to something down the line and we missed a Kairos moment that God has for us right now? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 through 25 in the New Testament, same idea. All people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I wonder how many in in our plans for the new year, I wonder how many of you decided you're going to read the Bible through from cover to cover for the first time in your life as a Christian. Because his word will never change. Political landscape, it's going to change. Your face in the mirror, my face in the mirror, it's going to change. Everything around us is changing except God's word. You want an anchor in uncertain times? Here it is. Here it is. God's word endures forever. It's unchanging. It doesn't matter what popular opinion is. God's word is the same. It's unchanging. I wonder how many of us made New Year's resolutions for temporary things here today, gone tomorrow, like the grass of the field wither and go. And we didn't even consider the one unchanging thing and the one unchanging God who was and is and is to come. Time is not on our side. It's not on your side. It's not on my side. Here's the second thing. The future you is an exaggerated version of the current you. So how many times we get this wrong? I mean, you're, you're basically the same person you were 10 years ago. I am. It's just the older that we get, we become more of a caricature of who we once were. The future you is an exaggerated version of the current you. Have you ever noticed that before with, with folks maybe, you know, considerably older than yourself they become almost like cartoon characters of who they once were if you knew them earlier when they were younger that's just reality they don't change all that much oh yeah might lose some hair and get some wrinkles and all but 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 who you were as a 20 year old is who you're going to be as a 30 year old a 40 year old and a 50 year old and, and, and not much change, just, just incremental change. And let me put it this way, very little change apart from Jesus Christ. I, I don't know that there's much change at all, except on the outside. That's it. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, you just wake up and, uh, you, you know, you have a higher intelligence or, 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 you know, you're just a completely different person. So many people, you know, they fall in love and, they, and think, I'll change my spouse. Uh, that's fool's gold. You ain't changing nobody. You can't change yourself. How are you going to change your spouse? Doesn't work like that. The future you is just an exaggerated version of the current you. Whatever characteristics you have right now in January of 2021 for good or bad are only going to become more as time goes on. If they're good characteristics, they're going to get better. If you have bad character, it's going to get worse as time goes on. See, time doesn't change who you are. It reveals who you are and makes you more of who you are. That's what the Bible calls it, sowing and reaping. You you don't sow, you know, banana seed or whatever, banana tree, and get oranges. You get bananas. And a lot of us right now, we got bananas going on in our life. We're like, how did this happen? Because we sowed some banana seed years ago. You're just becoming more of who you always have been for good or for bad. It's an immutable law of creation that God put into place. What you sow, you're gonna reap. You're not gonna be that much different. Jesus Christ is the only one that can transform us and he's making us more into his image and likeness. But if we don't yield to him, we're just becoming more of who we are right now in this moment. He's the only one that can really honestly change us. The future you is an exaggerated version of the current you. That's the truth, and we're in church, and I'm telling you the truth here, trying to help. Lots, so much scripture about this, so much. Proverbs eleven twenty seven 27 puts it this way. Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to one who searches for it. If you're looking to do some bad stuff, guess what? You're going to find some bad stuff. How about this one, Proverbs 26, 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. You try rolling a stone at somebody, guess what? It's going to come back at you. You try digging a hole for someone to fall into, you're going to fall into it. This is all throughout Scripture. In fact, we looked at this, Matthew chapter 7, and the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we, we, we talked about this as the blessed life when we looked at the Beatitudes last summer uh, of 2020, of uh, blessed are statements of Jesus, these mic drop statements. And then he goes on and he expounds upon them. In Matthew chapter seven, you've probably heard this before, so uh, I want to use a different translation, a message translation. Look at what It says, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Isn't that crazy? Don't judge lest you be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and it'll be measured to you, the measure that you use. That's what Jesus said. The critical spirit has a way. Now, now listen, you know, This week, we saw just, I would say, the culmination or the the boiling point as our capital of our nation was under siege. And it's not disconnected from all the violence in the street all throughout 2020, destruction, fires, killing, stealing. And, And And it's so easy to forget that Jesus told us. Don't jump on other people's failures. Don't criticize other people's faults. Unless, of course, you want the same same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. And I think for so many of us, too many of us, we're we're quicker to judge and point the finger than to allow our hearts to break over our own actions and our own passivity. And Jesus said that kind of attitude when you're you're pointing the finger and you're blaming everybody else, that's going to boomerang on you. A lot of us personally right now in our lives, there's stuff that you're going through right now and you brought it on yourself. That's what Jesus said. Because you point out other people's failures, you jump on them, you have a critical spirit, and that's what's happening right now. You know, I think we are in a national crisis and I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. Not until we stop pointing the finger and we start pointing the thumb. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, if my people, God says, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and post on social media, no, that's not what it said. I think too many Christians believe in the power of social media posts more than the power of prayer. Way too many. We're using worldly approaches trying to bring kingdom results and that's why we continue to fail in this country. If my people, which are called by my name, that's you and me, will humble themselves and pray. We we, we have not had to have any capacity restrictions on Saturday morning prayer. It's not full, y'all. We're not busting down the door for Saturday prayer. And turn from their wicked ways. Not those people's wicked ways, not the opposing political party's wicked ways. Ours. Then I'll heal their land. I- I'm greatly disturbed as your pastor. At a growing what what I would call the the Jesus Plus movement. When when this crisis happened in our country the capital being taken besieged. I put up a post and my heart is breaking just join me in prayer and people saying prayer is not enough really when did prayer lose all its power When did we believe in the power of political posts more than the power of Almighty God? I think only someone that would say, Jesus, plus, <sighs> prayer's not enough, I don't think has ever really prayed. Jesus said to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we need. We don't need the Democratic Party's will to be done. We don't need the Republican Party's will to be done. We need God's will to be done. And the the Jesus plus. Listen, there's enough in here. If we just live this, there's no plus. Somebody's got to, well, you also need to be. We don't need to put layers on top of God's word. We need to live it. And he said, personally repent of your sins as a follower of Jesus, and I'll heal your land. I'll do it. Not prayer and, yeah, you need to also do this and take this action and and do all these things. No. Prayer and repentance. Prayer and repentance. I I love what... uh, Prayer and repentance, God hadn't changed his mind about that. And I love what our social media director, Michelle Hoy, put up. and Listen to this prayer. Tell, tell me this is not a prayer from the heart of God. It's actually, Francis of Assisi wrote this. Tell me what needs to be added to this. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Remember, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the protesters. Where there's hatred, let me bring love. Where there's offense, let me bring pardon. Are you offended by someone? Pardon them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's what Jesus did. I'm a follower of Jesus, so are you. That's what we're supposed to do. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Jesus says always speak the truth in love. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you're walking in the kingdom of God, you're righteous, you have peace, and you have joy, not animosity, anger, and venom. That's the kingdom of darkness. Doesn't matter what your political opinion is. If venom's coming out, it's not Jesus. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Oh, Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. In other words, it's not about me, it's about demonstrating Jesus to others. For it is in giving that one receives, it is in self-forgetting that one finds, it is in pardoning that one is pardoned, it is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. What needs to be added to this? Oh, you got to do more than just pray. That's not what Jesus said. He taught us how to pray. He said, My house will be a house of prayer. How's your prayer life in 2021? What goal do you have for your prayers, for time daily in prayers? See, I think we, for some of us, we just need to shut the screen off. And we need to pray. And we need to just live the life that Jesus created you and I. To live, instead of taking our cues from the media. or or from someone else, get into God's word. God's word. That's the only thing that can change us. Because the future you is just an exaggerated version of the current you, not necessarily a better one. Just an exaggerated one, the more time goes by. Here's the third thing. If you don't like what you're getting, change what you're doing. If you don't like who you are, (laughs) You're the only one who can make a difference there. You're the only one who can change it. Change what you're doing. Look at your priorities. Submit them to God. God, where am I wasting the days that you've given to me on this planet? What is time that, that, that I'm spending and is not making any difference? I'm not talking about some time. You know, we all need time to rest, we all need time to replenish, we all need time to kind of like disconnect. I think some of us need to disconnect a whole lot more than we are (laughs) but but the the whole idea is that if you're entrenched right now in uh, the ways your personal ways and you want to become more generous that doesn't happen by making more money you be generous with what you have right now change the way you live right now love mercy discipline if you don't like what you're getting Change what you're doing. Only you can do that. We talk about you know wanting to change the world. We can't even change ourselves. Being honest with you may be kind of difficult to hear, but I'm being honest. Trying to help you. We need to make different decisions. We need to change the mundane details of our lives. Pastor Greg Laurie put it this way. I I love this. The evening of your life is determined by the morning of your life. Some of us, uh, Abraham Lincoln put it this way. He said, when when a man's 30 years old, he's responsible for his own face. If you've got a hard face at 30, guess what? It'll look that way when you're 80. You can't put enough makeup on it to change because already the decisions of your life have been molded and shaped. The only thing that can change a person's heart is Jesus. That's it. Not enough willpower. You can't muster it, I can't muster it. That the evening, that the shadow of our lives, the twilight of our lives is determined by the morning of it. And so we've got to make the right choices, those small incremental choices today that are really sustainable. Here's the fourth point from Romans chapter 13 that I think is so important. I encourage you read it read it in all kinds of, go to biblegateway.com read it in every translation that you can it's powerful what, what what's being said here especially in the new year god created the the times there, there's something significant it's not just flipping a counter something significant when the year changes and so we need to draw from god's word what's important the perspective to have here's the fourth point long-term consistency is more important than short-term intensity A lot of people have short-term intensity, but they never accomplish long-term anything. Long-term consistency. As I said, God just put it in my heart and Susie's heart many years ago that that we just wanted to change a community. And and what that meant was we had to sink roots down. (laughs) And it it was going to be sinking our lives in long-term consistency. I, I tell dads this all the time when we talk, men's breakfasts, things like that. And I said, don't, 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 don't try to hit a home run with your kids every weekend or every day or something like that. You're gonna strike out more than anything. Don't, don't try to keep hitting grand slams in your marriage. Hit a single every day. Watch your marriage improve dramatically. Just hitting a single every day. Just doing something to show your wife she's number one in your life after Jesus. You watch how your marriage changes. Just hitting a single. Long-term consistency is more important than short-term intensity. So much truth there. C.S. Lewis put it this way, uh, good and evil both increase at compounded interest. Good and evil, whichever one it is, they both increase at compounded interest multiplied times over. Just a little bit, it goes bigger, 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 faster. So daily, weekly, monthly, whether we feel like it or not, consistency. That's the key to spiritual growth. That's the key to emotional maturity. That's the key to anything in life, is long-term consistency, not short-term intensity. Thank God when you have short-term intensity, but if it doesn't have long-term consistency, this won't produce much at all in your life or in my life. So I guess uh, let me just kind of boil down this message. If Greg Tomorrow wrote a letter to Greg today, are you filling your name, who you tomorrow, for today, what's really important? Put it this way. The life we live is the life we make following the way of our Savior by the power of the Holy Spirit. His way, not my way, not someone else's way. This is what God is after in your life and my life in the new year. That we would make a life following after, not my way, the way of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit because we can't even follow the way of Jesus without Jesus, without his Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, I'm not an old man, but I'm not a young man anymore. And one thing that I'm keenly aware of is I can't even change myself, much less anyone else, this nation, this community. I can't do it. I can't change myself. I can't change my my family. I can't can't do any of that. Jesus is the only one. As I say, not my way, but I'm gonna follow your way, Savior, Jesus. And I am dependent upon the enabling power of the Holy Spirit that I don't have to let the best I ever did be the best I ever do because of Jesus. I'm going to ask right now would you bow your heads with me let's pray Heavenly Father Lord we need you in this new year Lord so many of us have substituted all kinds of crazy priorities instead of you being first we've substituted our way over your way. We've substituted the ways of the world over the ways of the word. Your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. God, I'm asking right now for me and for everyone watching this message on our online campus right now, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would just breathe afresh upon us And that, Father, we would allow your way to be the way we follow. Not the way that seems right to us, but your way. Lord, that we would seize the moments, the Kairos moments today of what you want to do in us and through us, and that we would not settle for the best we've ever done. But Lord, we would by your Holy Spirit realize the best is yet to come and we would be who you've created us to be and and we would be what this world so desperately needs to see in the life of an authentic follower of Jesus Christ today. In his name we pray. the name of Jesus, amen.